Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Thank you all for being here this morning. Excited to be with you all today as we kind of wrap up our uh, sermon series called Isms. Uh, But before we get started, uh, I just wanted to show you all a quick uh, recap video. A couple of weeks ago, uh, our student ministry got to go out on their student fall retreat uh, where we take a big group of students uh, out and get them away from everyday life and just kind of focus in on uh, what God is wanting to teach us in that moment. And so um, we had a lot of fun. We had a huge group going. So I want to show you real quick just this video. tell we man we took a big group of students this past uh for our fall retreat a couple weeks ago and man we had a lot of fun uh the game with the pool noodle is the best thing that we do every year it's called danger noodle and it lets our leaders get out some aggression because they get to just you know ah, just swing away so it's man it's a lot of fun uh but no uh so thank you i know a lot of our church was praying for us while we were out there and praying for our students man your prayers were definitely felt uh your support was definitely felt as we were out there god moved in some very specific ways and so i just wanted to thank you church before we got started this morning uh, for all of your prayers and for your support for our student ministry Uh, but back to this morning if you have missed the last couple weeks or if this is your first time with us today uh we have been in this series called isms where we're talking about different church words that end in ism, I-S-M-S, right? Um, and so a couple of weeks ago, Kevin kicked us off with uh, talking about baptism. What is baptism? Why do we follow through with baptism after we give our life to Christ? Uh, and then last week, we got to celebrate with some families as uh, several individuals came and got baptized right here at the foot of our stage last week. Uh, It was a beautiful picture of the gospel at work. And then uh, Patrick continued our series last week with volunteerism, that when we serve and when we volunteer, when we give our time to the work uh, of ministry, that it furthers the mission of the gospel, that it literally shows who Jesus is through our actions and through our words. Uh, And so when it came down to me, uh, what what topic I was going to cover, I pitched a couple of different ideas for isms that actually got shot down almost immediately. Uh, But I want to run them by you just in case, like, I can... I've got extra notes in the back of my Bible, and we can just change, no, okay. No, I want to run these ideas by you first before we jump into our topic today. But uh, the first one I thought would be good would be Dallas Cowboyisms. Um, the glory days back in Jimmy J and Emmett, right? Not talking about Thanksgiving a couple of days ago. I, we don't want to talk about that because that's a different kind of ism. Um, the next thing I thought of was uh, something I'm very passionate about, uh, taco fanaticism. Um, like eating tacos at every restaurant. 
that you can go to. Just curious, show of hands, how many of y'all just sang the Little Mermaid song in your head with tacos in it, yeah? I want to be where the tacos are. Yeah, sorry. Um, all right, and then the last thing is something that I'm not very good at, um, but I'm hoping to be better at. Um, Sunday afternoon napisms, yeah? Is it, do we have any pros in the building that can mentor me on how to take a good nap on a Sunday? I feel like I get five minutes and I'm still tired, or I get 30 minutes and I'm exhausted. Like, I don't understand how that works. Um, but no, so like I said, all those ideas got shot down almost immediately when I proposed them. So um, what I'm going to be talking about today is actually evangelism. Uh, evangelism, which if you didn't know in the original Greek, evangelism means to get off your couch and go tell somebody about Jesus. Um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but before we kind of get rolling into that, I want to kind of take it back uh, for a moment. And I'm just kind of realizing this as I jump into the story. It seems like every time I get up here, I talk about dumb stuff that I did in college. Um, and guess what? We're going to do it again today. Um, so, but like college was such a big faith formation uh, time for me. And so, yes, we're going to take it back to college for just a second. And I've mentioned this before. Uh, I actually went to a small Christian college in East Texas, uh, met a lot of lifelong friends that are still friends to this day. I met my wife in college, so yes, the Christian college stereotypes are true. Um, I met my wife there. Uh, but one thing, if you go to a Christian college, one thing you need to know, um, when you pick a church to attend in town when you're in college, it's almost like an athlete signing day. You know what I'm talking about? Have y'all seen those athlete signing days where you, you walk up and you stand behind a podium and you've got a mic and you've got several hats of all the different colleges that you want to pick out? That's kind of like what Christian College does for churches, right? You've got all the different hats of the different churches in town and everybody wants to know, where are you going to go to church? Like, what college ministry are you going to plug into? And you kind of stand behind the podium and you're like, well, you know, this church right here, They've got the best snacks in town. So uh, as a college kid, snacks are important. And so that's a, that's a real front runner. Um, oh, but this one right here, this college or this church, we've got senior adults who are willing to do your laundry for free. Like, I mean, that's, that's just worth its weight in money right there. All right. And then like, well, this guy, this, this guy was a pastor at our college. So he believes in college ministry, believes in what we're doing. Um, but this guy's got the best haircut out of every pastor in town, you know, right? And so eventually you're like, uh, I'm going to go with the free laundry. Woohoo, you know. Um, and so you pick a church and like everybody at your college wants to know, like, what church are you going to go to in town? What church are you going to go to? And most of my friends, I, I went to college with a lot of uh, friends from back home. They, they chose one or two of the different churches in town that had big college ministries uh, that had a presence on our campus. But None of that really mattered to me because, like I said, I met my wife in college like the first week. So it didn't matter where everybody else was going to go. I was going to go to the church that my, uh, that my future wife was going to pick, right? Like I was going to go and impress her and low-key like flex my spirituality a little bit. and like, yeah, that's right. I'm a catch. So, you know, like uh, I was going to follow her to whatever church she picked. But little did I know she was going to pick the most random church that uh, we could have possibly gone to in college. Um, I'm not kidding when I say this. The church she picked was less than 20 people. Like we had several churches in town, big college churches. The college group itself was 50 to 100 students. And Natalie picked this church that was like less than 20 people. And again, not kidding when I say this, the average age of the attender of this church was 65 plus. <laughs> Natalie and I and one other friend uh, that went with us were the only ones in the entire building that had not already retired um, from working for a full career. And so, like, it was, it was so weird, right? And, like, I didn't, I didn't understand, but, like, she picked Fairview Baptist Church with Pastor Jim Houston. And I never understood, like, why in the world did she pick that until I began going there. And as I went there, 
and I got to know the people, it quickly came to realize the reason that she chose that church and the reason that I was going to stay at that church was because of how well the people of that church loved. There was never a moment that we spent at that church that we were not both uh, fed both spiritually and physically. Man, they invited us over to their houses after church on Sundays and, and bought us lunch. Man, they prayed over us when we had big decisions to make. They would write us notes of encouragement and send it to our college so that we would have that as we were going to class. You know, they, they took care of us. They gave us opportunities to serve within the church. There, there was at one point, they, they threw a community-wide garage sale just to help Natalie and one of her friends pay for a mission trip opportunity. Like, you don't meet people like that every day. Uh, but man, they exhibited the kind of love that I really believe that Jesus would have been so proud of, and they loved us um, so profoundly. And so all that to set up, a couple of years later, fast forward a little bit, um, I was still in college, and I was working with the alumni director of our college uh, on, a, on a project for alumni, and because uh, it was in the alumni office, so Anyway, uh, so I was working with the alumni director on this project, and of course, you know, what's the first question that everybody asks at a Christian college? Well, hey, Brandon, what church do you go to in town? And I said, well, I, I go to Fairview Baptist right down the road. And he goes, oh, Fairview Baptist. I, I know Fairview Baptist. Is, is Pastor Jim Houston still there? And I said, oh, yeah, Pastor Jim, he's, he's there, man. He's, a, he's awesome. He's been so good to us. And he goes, yeah, you know, I know Pastor Jim. We, we actually went to school here way back in the day. I was like, really? Oh, yeah, man, we, we love Pastor Jim. And he goes, you know, Jim Houston, he was a, he was a real salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. He was, he was never going to do anything big. He was never going to change the world for God. But he was just real salt-of-the-earth right where God planted him at. And at first I was like, yeah, absolutely, we love Pastor Jim. And the more I thought about it, the more confused by his words I was. I'm like, what do you mean? He's just salt of the earth. What do you mean that he's not going to change the world? He's actively changing my world right now with how he leads and with how he loves and the example he's setting for us. He's changing the world of the people that are in his congregation. He is doing big things for the kingdom of God. And I'm like, and what do you mean he's just salt of the earth? Last time I checked, that's what Jesus tells us to be, right? Jesus calls us to be salt of the earth. Like, why does that feel like an insult the way you're saying it? I, I just didn't understand, and I tell you this story this morning, like that, that story didn't, doesn't really resolve because the conversation just ended right there, but I tell you all that story this morning because I think it sets up right where we should go this morning as we begin to talk about evangelism and the kind of impact that we are meant to have in our world, that we are called to be salt and light. Jesus calls us to be salt and light, um, just like Pastor Jim was and, uh, and all the people of Fairview Baptist back in, the, uh, back in the day that we were around them. And so this morning, I want to look at a very familiar passage that you've probably read dozens of times in your Bible, Matthew chapter 5. If you want to grab your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and we are going to talk about what it means to be salt and light. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start off in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. 
And so in this passage, Jesus has begun talking, uh, begun his Sermon on the Mount, where he's talking to people about what does the kingdom of God look like? What does it mean to be a, uh, a follower of God? And as he's beginning to teach them, uh, he goes into this passage about talking about being salt and light. If you have a Gen Z version or a young person version, he's telling us to be salty and lit. Um, yeah, okay, I was hoping somebody would laugh, all right? I, like, I felt weird wearing this shirt, but it, it fit the passage. So, um, uh, no, I, what he's telling us, he's telling us to be salt and life, light to our world. And I believe there's so much, even in these few short verses, man, there's so much profound impact that it can have in terms of evangelism and the way that we are supposed to share our faith with other people. And so this morning, I want us to look at three things. Write them down in a note, stick them in your Bible, and take a screenshot on your phone, uh, but keep these with you as you begin to share your faith with other people. Um, three things that I think our passage is trying to tell us this morning. The first thing that I see for us today is that we have to be knowledgeable. We have to be knowledgeable. If we're going to do evangelism well, if we're going to be able to share our faith with other people, we have to be knowledgeable. Have you ever walked into a conversation and had no idea what you were talking about, right? Like I do it all the time. Like you walk into a group of people that have already started talking about something and you walk up and you immediately realize like, I have no idea what's going on here, right? And you're like, you're kind of really hoping that they don't call on you. And you're like, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I totally believe that. I'm like, see, Brandon gets it, right? Like, how often do you do that? Like, I feel like I do it all the time. But we can't walk into a conversation about sharing our faith and have no idea what we're talking about, right? We can't half-effort evangelism. I'm going I'm to say that again. We can't half-effort evangelism. Jesus tells us in the passage, you are the salt of the earth. You are the one who is supposed to give those conversations flavor. You are the one that is supposed to show someone that the gospel tastes and is good, that Jesus tastes and is good, and he is the priority for each and every one of our lives. And he tells us in in verse 13, if salt loses its saltiness, that how can it be made salty again? It's worthless now, and you just have to throw it out. I think what he is saying is we can't lose our wisdom and our knowledge about who Jesus is, right? We have to know who Jesus is. We have to know the gospel if we expect to make an impact in our world. We can't walk up to somebody who is dealing with uh, extreme brokenness in their life and slap them over the face and just say, Jesus, and expect their life to change. We can't walk up to somebody who may have a hard history with church and doesn't like Christians and walk up to him and say, you know what, you're a sinner, Jesus, and slap him over the face with it and expect anything to change in their life, right? We have to know that the gospel does and can speak into every situation that we find ourselves in in this life, and we have to know how it does that so that we can tell that to other people, that we can show them Jesus's love and grace through that. And I'll ask you this morning, if you don't know how to do that, what are you doing about it? Are you training and equipping yourself to be knowledgeable, to be full of wisdom on what it looks like to share your faith? Are you constantly teaching yourself the gospel so that you are ready in a moment's notice when that opportunity presents itself? A side note, uh, just kind of commercial break for a second. If prepping for how to share your faith freaks you out, man, Legacy has been having uh, something called a personal evangelism class for the last couple of months. 
um, where a group of, uh, group of people get together and ask questions and encourage one another and talk about ways that we can share our faith. And Pat, uh, Patrick and the missions department have done a fantastic job. Uh, I want to tell you a cool story. I had a student come up to me um, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and he walked up to me and said, you know, I knew he had been going through the personal evangelism class and uh, he had been doing some other evangelism training through an outside ministry. And he came up to me the other day and he goes, Brandon, guess what? I was like, what's up, man? How's your week going? He goes, I, I want to tell you something. I was like, okay, what? He goes, I led somebody to Christ for the first time today bruh, come on, like, you know, like, I started jumping up and down, like, let's go, you know, let's turn on the music, light the sparklers, like, like, that's awesome, and he was able to do that because he was training himself, he was equipping himself to be able to go out there and share his faith, right, and so if you aren't preparing yourself, you won't be able to be knowledgeable, you won't be able to be the salt that you are supposed to be in our world. The second thing that I see in our passage this morning uh, is that we have to be humble, Right? If we're going to do evangelism well, if we're going to share our faith, we have to be humble. I'm convinced that we have to have this mindset that we have to be less presentation, but more conversation. One of the things that I hate most in this world is a job interview. Like, and that's mostly because I'm terrible at job interviews. To this day, I'm not under, I still don't get why Kevin gave me this role. I'm sorry. I'm bad at job interviews. Like, I'm really bad. Like, you can ask any job that I've ever interviewed for. Like, I am just terrible at presenting myself. I've always been better at casual conversation, right? Uh, I mean, you can even ask my, my college speech professor, and he'll tell you the C that he gave me for his class was fully justified. And I would disagree because I think I cited my sources very well for why Batman is cooler than Superman. Like, I mean, it just, it makes sense. I cited my sources. I talked eloquently, um, spoke eloquently. That's probably why I got to see. Um, no, uh, but like, even when I get up to teach our, our students on Sunday nights or, or the, the times that I get up here to uh, teach y'all on Sunday mornings, I, I don't write out my sermon notes in bullet points as a, like a presentation. I mean, you can look at my notes. I write it out as a conversation, right? Like you're almost like reading a book uh, because it helps me to begin uh, to understand the passage better. It, beca- it equips me better uh, to be able to share what it is that we're supposed to pull out of a certain passage because there's something about presentations to me that just seem argumentative, right? Whereas a conversation seems more empathic. In a, in, a, in a presentation, you're trying to convince somebody that you are right, that you know what you're talking about, that you're the expert on that subject matter, and that they need to agree with you or follow after you, right? But in a conversation, you begin to understand where the other person is coming from. You begin to understand where the other person stands, and you begin to walk alongside them. You're able to share with them because you understand who they are and where they're coming from, and you understand how that you can speak truth and speak life into their heart. And I truly believe that in conversation, a deeper understanding of the gospel can be had, right? Because you're not seeking first to be understood. You're seeking to understand who that person is and how deeply Jesus loves them as well. I mean, think about Jesus for a moment as he's teaching uh, people throughout the Gospels and, and even in the Sermon on the Mount, as he's sitting on a giant golden throne at the top of the temple shouting down, this is point A, that's point B, the square root of sin is death. Like, no. Uh, sorry, that one makes me laugh. Um, no, like, that's not what he's doing. He's not sitting up there, like, screaming down point one, point two, point three. here's what you need to know to come to salvation. No, he is walking alongside the people. 
He is actively like sitting amongst them. He's walking down the street with them. He is feeding them both physically but also spiritually. He is one of the people as he's going around, right? And so I know that humility isn't like a giant portion of this scripture. I know it doesn't just jump out, be salt, be humble, be light, right? But I think it's such an important part of sharing the gospel that we have to remember. Because if we think about it, Jesus calls us to be a light to our world. If we pick up a flashlight and we shine it in somebody's eyes and say, look, I've got a flashlight. I can show you the way. What are they going to do? They're going to cover their eyes or they're going to turn away from you and they're not going to want to know what you have to say. They're not going to want to follow after you. So we have to be humble as we share the gospel. The third thing I see uh, is that we have to be available. If we're going to share the gospel, if we're going to share our faith, we have to be available to share our faith. I once knew a guy um, who had a lot of hot takes when it came to this idea of being available. Um, He had a lot of super spiritual, I'd I'd almost say superficial spiritual excuses um, that let him be less than available to people um, as they would kind of come across his path. And kind of here's what I mean. Um, How many of y'all have ever gone, he, he he had this philosophy about a Starbucks line right? How many of y'all have ever gone through Starbucks or maybe any fast food and you roll up to the window and they tell you, hey, the people in front of y'all have paid for your order? Yeah? Anybody? How awesome is that, right? Like you roll up, you're expected to pay for your coffee or your cheeseburger and they're like, hey, you don't have to pay. Like, oh man, that's awesome. Cool. Like that person didn't know me. That person probably didn't know anything about me, but they saw, um, they saw fit to be a blessing to my life in that moment. They, they blessed me with a free coffee or a free meal or something like that. And what is the normal course of action when somebody does that for you? What do you normally do after that? Yeah, you kind of pass on the kindness and you buy the person's order behind you, right? The only catch is you hope that the person behind you isn't picking up a catering order for like 200 people and you're like, how much is it again? Oh, um... Can I buy them a cookie or something? Like, uh, like you know, you want to be a blessing to the next person, but, like, you got to be careful. Uh, but uh, this guy I knew had, had very hot takes about being available, and he disagreed with that line of thinking. He would always, always preach this idea to us that when you roll up in a line at Starbucks and you find out the person in front of you paid for your coffee, what do you do? I'm like, well, you pay for the guy behind you. He goes, no. You bow your head. You say a quick two-second prayer. And if you're not immediately convicted, man, you peel out and you take off with your free coffee. I was like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, the person behind you, they were ready to pay for their coffee. It's okay. You need to learn how to accept a blessing. I'm like, what? Right? And he used to use the same uh, sense of logic when he would talk about people asking for help on the side of the road as well. Like, he's like, you roll up and you see somebody on the side of the road, you read their sign real fast and you bow your head and you say a two-second prayer. And if you're not immediately convicted, man, you burn rubber and you get out of that situation. You don't look them in the eye. Like, he would always tell us, you don't look them in the eye. You just get out of there, Right? And he would always like kind of double down and even take it a step further. And he would say, because you don't even know what that situation is. You don't know anything about that person on the side of the road. You know what? Maybe they have low blood, blood sugar. They have low blood sugar. And all you have is a bottle of water. But you know what? The guy in the car behind you, he might have an orange juice. And maybe that person needs their, his orange juice more than he needs your water. And if he sees you give up your water, the guy behind you, he may not give up his orange juice. And then he would go even further. He goes, you know what? Maybe that guy behind you, maybe he has a hard heart. Maybe he doesn't know how to be a blessing to anybody. Maybe he doesn't know how to give someone a blessing. And so you need to let that guy be a blessing to someone else. And I was like, yeah, that other guy needs to learn how to be a blessing. Like, when's the last time you gave somebody an orange juice, right? 
Like, come on. And I wonder how many of us, unfortunately, have that same mindset when it comes to sharing our faith with someone else. How many of us have that same mindset when it comes to talking to other people about the love of Jesus? That we see someone, we see an opportunity, a friend, a coworker, a, a family member, um, somebody in our life, maybe it's somebody on the side of the road, and we see that person and we see an opportunity and it freaks us out and we say this quick two-second prayer and we don't feel immediately convicted and we drive off. We run off. Or better yet, we give this two-second excuse of, God, I, I can't right now, I don't, I don't have time for this. And we peel out and we run off from that opportunity. Or better yet, maybe we're scared of that opportunity because we're afraid, man, what if they ask questions that I don't know the answers to? Or what if, what, if, what if I don't have the right things to say? What if I say something that turns them off? What if it, it, it turns them away? Church, listen to me this morning and hear me very clearly. If you have the love of Jesus in your heart, if you have given your life to the hope and the grace of who Jesus is, believe me this morning when I tell you, you have the words in you to tell someone about Jesus Christ. You already have it inside of you right now. Y'all, that is our purpose that is our mission here on this earth. That is our joy that when Jesus comes into our life and saves us from a life separated from our creator God, that we can then go out and tell other people about him, tell other people about the love and the grace and the hope that he offers us, the salvation and the shelter that he offers us from our anxiety and our fear and the bad stuff of life that continually brings us down. It doesn't matter if you were only sitting there with a bottle of water and that person needs an orange juice. Y'all, last time I checked, Jesus told us that he is the living water, and everyone that comes to him will never be thirsty again. And I know you know the story that Jesus can turn water into wine. You can't sit there and tell me he can't turn Ozarka into Minute Maid, right? Like, I'm telling y'all, we, we have to be available to sharing the gospel. Jesus tells us here in Matthew 5, he says, we are meant to be a light in this world, a light that lights up the darkness. You don't turn on a flashlight and put it in your pocket because somebody else might have a nicer, bigger flashlight, right? You don't light a candle so that you have light in your room and you put it under a bowl. That's a fire hazard. You don't do that. You put it on a lampstand and you put it up in the air for everyone to see so it lights up the entire room. Verse 15, verse 16, shine your light before others so that they can see Jesus through your good works. Man, you put your light up in the air for everyone to be able to see it so that everyone that can see it sees the love and the grace of our good Savior. That the darkness of this world will realize that they don't stand a chance when it comes to the message of the gospel and who God is. Y'all, we have to be available. We have to be ready. We have to be willing in those moments. We cannot run and hide from them. We can't say a two-second excuse and feel justified to drive off. This applies to all of us. Jesus tells all of us, you are salt and light. That doesn't exclude anyone. He has chosen you to be a light in this world. He has chosen you to share his message. We have to live up to it. We have to be able to do that. So there's one thing I want to uh, kind of leave you with this morning in our passage. Um, it's a thought from a, a book that I, I recommend you buy, and I remember seeing it on a bookshelf one time, and I bought it just solely for the title alone, but it's called uh, How to Share Jesus Without Freaking Out. Um, man, it's a fantastic book. Again, like I saw the title, and I was like, 
that's amazing. I'm going to buy it. I don't even know what it says, but I just want the book, right? And man, the, the book puts in such simple context ways that we can do evangelism, ways that we can share our faith with other people. And it puts it in such simple terms that it makes anybody feel like you can walk out there tomorrow and walk into Starbucks and lead somebody to Christ, which is our hope and which is our goal for all of us. Um, but, you know, at the end of this book, uh, the author, Alvin Reed, begins to talk about, um, talk about this story of, of going to a tree farm. And he goes to a tree farm to buy some, uh, buy some new trees that he can take back and plant on, uh, on his plot of land back home. Uh, and as he's there, he's talking to the guy that's um, taking his money and selling him the trees. And the guy asked him, uh, asked the author, he said, uh, Mr. Reed, do you know when the best time is to plant a tree? And Alvin, Alvin Reed looks at him and says, no, I, I don't know. And he goes, well, the best time to plant a tree would have been 20 years ago. I was like, because then you'd be enjoying the shade right now. You'd be enjoying the fruit of that tree. I said, do you know when the best, second best time is to plant a tree? I, I don't know. When? He goes, today. And Reed talks about as he leaves the tree farm and, and begins to head home, and he says, uh, he begins to drive home, and he, he's thinking about that, that statement, the best time would have been to plant trees 20 years ago. And he's sitting there thinking, you know, I wish I'd planted trees 20 years ago. Because right now, I wouldn't be driving trees home to plant them. I'd be sitting under their shade, right? in a hammock, pulling fruit off of the tree and enjoying the fruits of my labor. He said, but you know, I know if I go home and do the work today that maybe 20 years from now, I'll get to see that fruit of that labor. I'll get to enjoy what it was that I put my mind to and the work that I did. And he goes on to write these words on the last page of the book. He said, you may be thinking that you've lost a lot of time as a Christ follower when you could have been sharing Jesus with others, but you haven't. True, the best day to begin telling others the good news of Jesus is the day that you met Christ. But the second best day to start is today. Don't put off any longer what you know to be true and good. Walk closely with God and dare to share your faith with great boldness. Y'all, the moment that we should have taken evangelism serious and began sharing our faith was the moment that we put our trust in God. Put our trust in Jesus. Do you know when the second best moment is? Right now. Right here in this moment. As we walk out of the doors of this building today, sharing our faith with someone that needs to hear it. I encourage you this morning, don't let any more time pass that you aren't sharing your faith, that you're not sharing the love and hope and grace that Jesus offers every single one of us. You know, I didn't have it in my notes um, leading up to this weekend, and as I was prepping last night for the sermon today, um, I got to thinking about it that it, it just felt weird to talk about sharing our faith and sharing who Jesus is for so long without taking into account that there may be somebody in this room today who has no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe there's somebody in here today, maybe this is your first time in a church, maybe this is your first time in a long time in a church. Maybe you've never heard about who Jesus is and how much he loves you. And so I want to tell you today, if that's you sitting in this room and you have never had that moment where you have given your life to Jesus, where you have followed him and accepted him and understood the amazing grace that he offers every single one of us, I want you to know today that you are loved. You were loved by a God that created you and saw fit to not spend eternity away from you. And you were loved by a Savior, Jesus, 
who is our constant source of hope and grace, that it doesn't matter where we have come from. It doesn't matter that what we have done in our past. It doesn't matter who we are in this moment. Jesus loves you anyway. I love the idea that Jesus loves me in spite of me sometimes, in spite of the stuff that I do, in spite of the times that I turn my back on him. Jesus never turns his back on me. And y'all, this morning, he will never turn his back on you. If you have never had that experience, if you have never had that moment where you have been able to trust Jesus, y'all, let me tell you this morning, the best time for you to trust Jesus would have been 20 years ago. Yeah, 100%. The second best time that you can learn to trust Jesus is right here, right here in this moment. And so if that is you, if you're sitting there this morning and trying to figure out who Jesus is, what does this mean for me in my life, I want to encourage you this morning don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let another 20 years go by that you wish you had made a decision back then. Come talk to one of us. Come talk to one of our pastors. We're all sitting up in the front. Most of us have a beard. Well, it's an easy find, right? Um, come, come find one of our Connect team members at the welcome desk. Come talk to us. Ask us questions. Ask us who Jesus is and what it means to give your life to him, what it means to trust him. And for the rest of us this morning, we have to learn to share our faith. We have to be proactive about sharing our faith. We have to get off the couch and go tell people about Jesus. Y'all pray with me. God, I come before you this morning and I, I thank you for bringing us into this place today, God. God, I thank you for your love and for your grace. I thank you. But God, that you do love me in spite of me sometimes. God, I thank you that you never turn your back, that you're never disgusted, that you're never disappointed, that you're never so far removed that you don't care. God, I thank you that you're always there, that you always do care, that you're always waiting with open arms for us to come back home to you. God, in this moment, I pray for great boldness that we would be able to go out and share our faith. Share about the amazing love that Jesus offers us. God, and I do pray that if anyone is in this room and is questioning whether or not they understand that, or if they even know that, God. God, I pray that you wouldn't let them leave this building without having an experience with you today. God, move in our hearts. Accept our worship this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.